Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 377, I'm welcoming to the show, Rachel Norman. They don't have to be happy about the boundary. They don't have to be. So if you think they have to be happy about your rule, what are you gonna end up doing? Only enforcing rules that make them happy. This is a trap because they might be happy about one rule one day and the next day they're not happy about it. And now you're on a hopscotch path trying to figure out what keeps them happy. They'll be okay. And actually they'll be more okay the more they learn to deal with their emotions. So if we're on hyper alert for them never to be sad, frustrated, angry, hungry, in any way discomforted, then they will never learn to feel those feelings without going into catastrophe mode. Rachel is our first expert in our Ages and Stages series, and we're starting chronologically with babies and toddlers. But before you say, oh, this isn't for me, I want you to know that what Rachel shares is important for all parents. She is a licensed language of listening parent coach, a certified sleep consultant, and the mom to five kids that she had in a very short period of time. So she's experienced a lot of infant and toddler behavior in her own home. But in this episode, she's really teaching us how to validate our children's feelings while holding our boundaries. Rachel is going to help us understand why managing and understanding our own stress response to the whining and the crying can be a valuable tool as we help our children learn to regulate their own emotions. I had such a good time in this conversation. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Rachel, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. (laughs) Thank you. So happy to be here. Okay. So we're starting this ages and stages series, and I'll give you a little backstory along with a listener. It's because I asked people what they wanted for this fall in episodes and the gamut of stages are represented in our listeners and I, from toddlers to teens. And I thought, oh my goodness. Okay, we'll, we'll do a series. Our listener came up with the idea. She's like, well, you need to do a series. And so when I learned about you, I thought, oh, Rachel will be the perfect person to come on and talk to us about these toddler years. We've done episodes mm-hmm. on feeding and infants. We've done an episode on sleep training. There is an aspect of toddlerhood that we need to dive into, mm-hmm. um, but- Before we do, I would love for you to introduce everyone to your family. Sure. So um, I am a mother of five. I met my husband in Australia. Well, I met my husband in England. He's Australian. So we at a Christian discipleship there, got married, quickly got pregnant, moved, had a baby there, moved to Australia, had another baby, then moved, stayed there for a while. So we had five babies in five years. So I'm going to love talking about, although my little ones aren't toddlers anymore, I had five five and under at one point. I felt like everybody was a toddler, but the baby, you know? (laughs) So, um, this is my zone, but, um, yeah. So now we live in Florida in the panhandle, 30 minutes from the beach, 10 minutes from Alabama. And so that's what we're, that's what we're doing now. I just got them all in school. Okay. How, so how old are they? So they're 10, 11, 10, nine, seven, and six. Can we all just, (laughs) (laughs) I know it was and two were sort of surprised, you know, praise God, but surprise. So it all might, it started because my grandmother one time when I had the first, my first two were almost like they're a week or two shy of being Irish twins, which is meaning you had two within a year. 
And I kind of told my grandmother, I was like, I don't know. I just felt like I might as well keep going. And she's like, well, I guess it's better to run through fire than walk through it. So I guess I took that on as a motto, but I will say it was like hot coals sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so much cuteness, but it's mm-hmm. terrifying. So much <laughs> cuteness. Well, you also are a licensed language of listening parent coach mm-hmm. and a certified baby and toddler sleep consultant, y'all. So this is your person if you need some help. I just <laughs> yeah. I love connecting with great resources and people. So thank you. I feel like this stage of toddlerhood, and I'm a speech pathologist, so I mm-hmm. love the concept of listening and language. And mm. every child is communicating from the moment they're born, they're communicating with their body or in some way, talk to us about if we're in that stage of babies and toddlers and we're really frustrated with, I think sometimes the crying can be frustrating. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The whining stage before they have words. What advice do you have of let's start there? So the first thing I want to say, and I think this is so important that moms take on board, you know, is that in a sensory uh, sense, it's actually normal that these types of noise is bother us. Okay. So to in us. some ways it's in us mothers. Yeah. So in some ways it's instinctual because of course, if there's like whining or crying or whatever going on, this is something inside of us. That's like, ding, <laughs> mother needs to resolve this, you know? So in some Make ways, it that's stop. yeah, that's right. But then there's also that deeper part. Cause sometimes our children are making noises or crying or whining and there's no imminent need, you know, they're wanting to communicate, but but, and those can really be difficult. So I just want to kind of validate moms and just say like, it's if the noise, the season's very like noisy or loud, or even mine are a little older, but there's lots of like running through the house, squealing, making noises. If this bothers you, don't also heap guilt on yourself for being bothered by it. So we're going to not have, we're not going to be bothered twice. We're going to be bothered once by the noise, but we're not going to heap more on ourselves. And then we're just going to kind of make a plan from there. So that's the first thing, because what I find mothers really do and I want to just like grab us all and shake us and be like, we're not going to do this is when we make ourselves feel bad for already feeling bad. It's like, that's not going to work. That inner, that judge inside. That's like, yes, the critic. something's yes. wrong with you. That exactly. this is bothersome to you. Yeah. Exactly. And the reason I think this really matters, not just so we're like nicer to ourselves or whatever, which is also good is because if we feel bad about it and then we heap that judgment on ourselves, what we end up doing is just trying to manage what we're feeling on top, because that feels so much worse, but we actually don't get down to what was going on. So that's why we want to not do that. Okay. So, and if it is true, some seasons of life, they're louder, whatever. So that's the first thing that I would suggest. And the second I would suggest is, and we do this language of listening. I feel like the reason it really meshes with me is because it is both, uh, you know, your child's communicating and they're going to continue to communicate and perhaps escalate their communications until they feel heard. But it's not a parenting strategy that is centered on your child's emotions. It is allowing your child to have their emotions and you can validate what they're feeling and you still can keep the healthy boundaries that are good for them. It's both. So it's allowing your child to learn to deal with their frustrations and their emotions as you're there supporting them and validating them. So that's kind of like our language of listening shtick. Well, it's not ours, but I'll say that. So I guess if you, if you are in this phase where your toddler is, you know, throwing a lot of tantrums, melting down a lot, there's a lot of this happening. So the first thing I would, I would ask is, is this how they have learned to communicate to get their wants or needs met? 
Does that make sense? And I feel like it's going to differ. We, we were talking about a friend of yours that it's her fourth child. That's the mm-hmm. two-year-old. And you just, this, the way things have changed generationally in the mom communities. Yes. But I also think within the family, if it's your fourth child, that's the toddler. Mm-hmm. I found <laughs> that there were maybe some more negative communication patterns that I was reinforcing because there's just so many needs to meet. And yes. So Mm -hmm. that child needs to act in a certain way to have them met. Yes. Get attention. Yeah, that's right. The mom's doing so many other things. Then I got to get a little bit louder to get hurt. Or in some cases, the youngest one, everybody in the family has gotten so used to meeting their needs. It's like there's a mom, there's a dad, or if there's both, there's all the siblings, whatever. Everybody's used to meeting their needs. So if sometimes the, the younger ones, if they have to wait even a little bit, they can't cope because they're not used Mm. to waiting at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So those dynamics play in. Yeah. Yes. So it's always, you always want to be like, it's individual. Okay. You know what, but then you just want to kind of ask yourself, and this is not shame or blaming yourself. Is this how they have learned to get what they, what they want? Because then the way that we, you would go about that is kind of helping them learn to just say, ask and, or, you know, like, instead of just throwing down to get it, I guess. And, you know, a lot of the, the, Kids have different personalities too, you know? And one thing I would say is to ask yourself now in times of non-conflict, is their extreme emotion or sometimes their escalation, is it an emergency? Because what we can often do subconsciously is reinforce like, you know, so our child say they're gonna, you know, if they're crying or there's lots of whining and, and some kids whine more than others. And sometimes it truly is a, a stage and whining truly is grating to the nervous system. There's just no two ways about it. It truly is grating. Yeah. So don't feel guilty for feeling graded. It, it really is. That, that's why it works because if somebody whines a lot, somebody does something for that child. So they stop. Yeah. This is just how it goes. No shame, no game is why whining works. Okay. And I'm not saying kids are masterminding anything. I'm saying in a subconscious sense, we want what we want. We try to get it. If something works, we just kind of keep doing it. You know what I mean? It's not like this child's sitting around going, I'm really going to whine. My mom hates that so bad. She's going to give me my snack early. No, it's just like instinctual, you know? So I would say it, is it an emergency? Because what can happen is they can go into whining or, or you know, throw in a tantrum, a hissy fit, you know, how to call it here in the South. And then we go into fight or flight because it's so bothersome to hear that for our nervous system. And then we can treat it like an emergency, you know? And so this is partly how it can perpetuate. And I'm not saying you're just going to walk away. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying to not to sort of ignore your child if they're doing this, although at times that might be a response depending on what you're doing. But just the idea that it, it, we don't necessarily have to drop everything to do that. It's not necessarily an emergency. And that'll kind of give you a clearer, what we're lacking in these moments is some perspective. And so we often respond, well, true. Nobody wants to admit this, but I'm like the queen of saying what everybody's thinking, but doesn't want to say. We <laughs> probably more often not than not respond in frustration or anger because we're like, subconsciously, we're like, whatever you're throwing a fit about is not that important. And you're making this crazy noise and it's, I'm in fight or flight. And like, I just need you to stop it, you know? And then we feel guilty. And then we're like, and then shame on the shoulders of gay guilt. Yep. That's it. So then we spiral and then we can end up actually going against our boundaries just to soothe them because we acted in a way that we didn't want. And we felt guilty. Does that make sense? So then we actually end up parenting out of guilt 
instead of Adam, but so yeah, I feel like I've gone on five, 10, but you you see what I'm saying? Well, I just hear what you're saying is in a calm moment to reflect on these interactions and how often is there tantrum and emergency and how often is it not, but we respond like it is. And are we perpetuating a cycle of an extreme whine or tantrum so that we get the extreme response from mom who's going to come to our rescue and end it? Yes, exactly. And this doesn't mean that we can't, and if we're able to stay calm, then sometimes we can, because we know if somebody else is dysregulated, we can get dysregulated or if we're calm, we can help make somebody calm. You know, these things are just sort of true, but in the moment it's like, it's, it's more difficult. So if we can beforehand establish that it's just truly not always an emergency, we can more often remain calm. And then we can say, oh, okay, let's go sit down for a second. I'll just let you calm down. And then we can talk about it, you know, depending on their age. I mean, yeah, a one and a half year old, but you can still say these things, you know, oh, come sit by mommy. We're going to calm down. And then you kind of just wait. So while they're agitated, it's not like you're diving in, trying to get them to tell you something valuable, you know, because this is kind of fomenting the mood. So what, you know, you want to wait till it's calm and then, okay, you want X, Y, Z, you know, well, and then you can try to understand what they're actually communicating. And this is a big part of the, in language of listening, we talk about often kids, okay, if they feel powerless, they're going to escalate their communication. If they feel like they have no no control over their life. Now I'm not saying you give a little kid control over their world. This isn't even safe, of course. Okay. But you know, feeling like they're able to have some control over things, you know, so it is true when we feel totally powerless, we can act crazy. You know, we kind of can act like caged animals. And so we want to say, what are they, what is, is this part of a pattern? I like to think this too. Is this part of a pattern? You know, is it, for example, children who are in that phase where they're needing to drop a nap or they're even maybe going to phase out of a nap. There is a period of time where they're super fussy, super clingy. And if we kind of act like every little situation is an emergency and then who, before we know it, we're doing all kinds of crazy things just to, we're feeling like the our compass is their mood. This is real confusing. This is to and fro tossed on a, you know, we're, we're on a, we're on a Roller boat coaster. on the sea yeah. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. no rudder because even we can't even let our own emotions be a compass, much less a child who doesn't know how to regulate their emotions. So this is, is this part of a greater pattern? Have I parented to their mood? And then you can see actually this causes some insecurity in kids too, because then it's, we're putting a lot of pressure on them to be able to describe what's happening, you know? So, so if they're dropping a nap or, you know, they, a transition, a new baby has come, or maybe they're starting preschool or something. Sometimes what they're communicating isn't just that moment. It's part of something greater that's going on. And so this is why it's important to be able to step back and think what's happening here. Okay. Because I don't need to give them another 15th snack when they refuse lunch. That's not why they're crying, you know, and we can actually get to what the real issue is, you know, always with support and compassion, but not sort of we like to call it in language of listening, boundary bending. And this is when you, for example, it might be, this is snack time. Okay. So it might be, we have three meals and this certainly for us here in America, it's like, you know, we have three meals and we got two snack times and we still feel like we're mistreating the kids if they say they want to eat. Do you know what I mean? So say we've said, okay, dinner, I'm cooking dinner and your child comes and they really want a snack while you're cooking. And inside, you know, always when you're cooking. They smell the food and they want the food. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
And so insight, if you're like, and this is where I say it's so important that we listen to our, our instinct, you know, in Job, it says, who gave, who gave the, the mind instinct and the heart intuition, you know, we got to listen to that. If you're like, I shouldn't give them food. Okay, whatever. So then say they're, they're on and on, and then maybe they throw down or whatever it is, and you give it to them. Then what do you feel? Resentful because you're like, you didn't follow the rule or like, and then you made me break my rule. You made me do it. Like you wouldn't leave me alone. Or I like to call it woodpecking. Like my kids are like woodpecking me until I finally like lose the will to live. And I want to give in. Yes. (laughs) This is in one of my chapters of like triggers for anger is I had this exact example and a son asking for a cookie. And one of the chapters in a book, um, good and angry Mm. by Scott Taransky they call it badgering. It's badgering. Yeah, so we yeah. watched the video on Wild Kratz of a badger. Yeah. And he's like digging. And I'm like, this is you, child. <laughs> this is you. So we said it outside of a time where he was badgering. And I'm like, sure. when you badger, it hurts our relationship. When you ask me a question, you ask it, and you ask it, and you ask it. Now, that same child is fabulously persistent and doing amazing things. Now Praise he's God. way older. <laughs> But it is really hard in those moments and it yeah. does make you start to resent them and it does hurt your relationship, which it does. I get an 18 yeah. month old may have a hard time yes. grasping what that means, but there are ways that you can communicate it that they could grasp and watching wildcrats, yep, badger, one. woodpecker. And the way that you can help them through this, especially if they're really young is because you can say, oh, I know you're so hungry right now. Like you're just ready for dinner to be right now. You know, you just yep. wish you could eat. And you're not going to wait and you don't want to wait. And then they might be like, yeah, whatever it is, you know, yeah. And we don't, you can validate a child's emotions without agreeing with them, by the way. You can just say what you know they're thinking. It doesn't mean you're agreeing. You're just calling out what already is. Yeah, I think that's important. I don't know about y'all, but my to-do list this fall is so long. And oftentimes the most important things get put off. <laughs> Like the tyranny of the urgent keeps me busy enough. And one thing that I want to encourage you not to put off any longer is your life insurance, term coverage life insurance. You've probably seen commercials on TV and thought, I'll look into that later. But this is something you could choose today. And I'd love to introduce you to Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health and the application. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made the Forbes Best Life Insurance 2021 list. All you need is a few minutes, a phone, or a laptop to apply, and their smart algorithms work in real time, so you're going to find out if you're instantly approved. No hidden fees. You can cancel any time. You can get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you get older, now's the time to cross it off that list. So go to ladderlife.com slash DMA today to see if you are instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash DMA, ladderlife.com slash DMA. Say that again. Talk through that again. Like they're expressing something. You can say out loud what you feel like they're trying to communicate, but doing poorly. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. So yeah, I'll get, exactly. So 
And before I go and say that real quick, okay. boundary bending is when you give in, you resent them, but it's actually your job to keep it. Okay. Mm. So let's give another example of what you just talked about. So this is a great example of a toddler that's jealous of a baby. Okay. So it's that, jealous happens, of the new baby, jealous okay. of the new baby. And this happens of course a lot. This is like totally textbook, but I was talking about it with a lady at my church a while back. And she was like, Oh, you know, the toddler can't stand the baby or whatever, or is jealous of going on and on. And then I was like, what do you say when you can tell? So there's a lot of pattern of behavior going on here. That's the toddler trying to communicate, not cool with the baby. Don't know where it came from. Needs to go back, you know? And so <laughs> what that, what the mom was doing, which is this pretty much what everybody's instinct is to do. So totally not saying the mom's doing anything wrong. Instinctually, everybody is like, the baby's lovely. Don't you love the baby? And then the toddler's like, no. Or then they're like, don't you just want to cuddle? The baby's so cute. Baby's not cute. Baby needs this to your go best away. friend. This is your best friend. Yeah. You're going to be this best friends. Yeah. Best. No. Gonna call no, I other. don't. Throws up. a block at their head. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, so what you, this is where it gets tricky. It's because we don't want to validate something we don't think is true. But what you're, what you can do instead is call out what they're already thinking. So you can say something like, oh, this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt y'all. I'm just going to do it. It hurts me to even say it. This is why I know it hurts moms to do it. You know, um, mom, we're so close together in age. They just never knew a world without each other. So they, but anyway, this works is you say, Oh, you just wish the baby wasn't here. Mm. So nobody wants to say this, but if you say this, the child might be like, yes, yes. Oh, you really loved it when you got all of my attention. Yes. You know? So it's like, you're just, you're not saying, well, I'm going to make the baby go away. You're just able and often even doing something like this, like you just wish that you didn't have to worry about the baby or I didn't have to always be with the baby. Of course, if, if you, mom does. So you're, you're just saying what you know they're thinking. This is often seriously enough. It seems like what would happen is that you would be encouraging this line of thought, but what it actually does is put a pin in the balloon Yeah. because then they're like, yeah, that's what I was trying to get you to get mom, you know? <laughs> And then often that that is honestly often enough for that type of behavior to just ease off because what can happen if your child feels like you don't get it, you're trying to convince them they're wrong, then it becomes almost like mom and baby against toddler. Mm. And then everybody's she's trying out. to get you on mom and baby team. Yes. And versus, everybody's watching yeah. out to yeah. see if the toddler's going to do an enemy move, you know, <laughs> an enemy strike when nobody's looking. <laughs> and then, and then yes. it becomes like, they're even more isolated. The other child feels even yeah. more isolated. So, you know, and you would have this over continual conversations, but this sometimes just saying, and you don't have to be like, oh, and this is what I want to say. When we do this, when we can pull out what they're thinking, because my son did this one time, it was very similar to this. He was like, I wish I didn't have any brothers or sisters. You know, I can't stand any of my brothers or sisters, you know? And this can put you on the defensive a little bit, you know, so you have to say, we're not going to do this. Like, oh, okay. You wish you were an only child. Yes, I do. I was like, oh, mommy was an only child. Like, yeah, I just, you know, I had to go outside and throw balls and (laughs) hit them and go get them myself, you know? And then he's like, maybe I would like to have one brother, you know? And then I was like, (laughs) oh, so if you had one brother, then you wouldn't get bored, you know? And then he's thought about it and he was like, well, maybe, (sighs) what I really just want is that they would stop messing with my stuff, Hmm. you know? And I was like, this is why he's upset. It's not because he hates them. Also, I didn't go some big lecture about why he's like, you shouldn't dislike your siblings. God put us all. I was going to say, then you bring in the spiritual angle of like, the Lord decided that you needed to be in this family. And then it's like, then they hate that. Yeah. 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 Creating all kinds of, yeah. Okay. No, that's really good. Because what I, 
hear you doing, and maybe this is the thought, like the bigger thought behind it is him activating his thinking brain and his problem solving instead of being on the defensive to prove his point. Yes. And what you're doing, and this was tough for me to grasp because it's certainly as a Christian, I think there are some things, yeah, there's tons of great stuff, but some things I just think are wrong. And then some <laughs> things I think are right, you know? <laughs> so it's, I mean, just, just how I, I feel like. So, but when I came to understood this, okay, our children's behavior always makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, I'm not saying it's right or wrong in a moral sense. I'm saying it makes sense. And if it's confusing to you, you got to dig deeper. So for example, it, you know, if they're doing something, you're like, I don't know why they keep doing this. It's so weird. And then you <laughs> dig, there was something deeper going on. You know, yeah. they were feeling like they didn't get enough time with you. Or maybe if, if little ones, if they've say started to go to daycare, maybe they're just feeling like they really miss you, but then they're acting more, they could be actually acting standoff-ish from you as opposed to being close to you, you know, because some kids, I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it didn't start with you. It's a book about trauma. And um, he gives an example that can happen little ones. Um, so his, he was two or three, I think, and his mother had to go get gallbladder surgery. And so she mm. was in the hospital for a week or two. And in that time, it was almost like he decided, and of course, his childlike brain, we all do this. We just decide something and then we sort of make it be a life filter. He decided she was sort of like, wasn't there for him. And so he couldn't trust her. So then after that, he was kind of standoffish, but she interpreted it as look how independent he became. Oh, okay. And it became this filter, right? So, so just saying sometimes if they're pushing away from you that you still want to dig deeper, why are they doing that? So, and not all children will respond like that guy did. So if you are having gallbladder surgery and you have a two-year-old at home, don't start worrying that they're going to have fears of abandonment and all that. Not every kid is that aware and sensitive, but some are, and some are tantruming. you can't help life. You can't help life. You can't help life. And it does to bubble wrap our kids and not have them experience life is impossible. Oh, it's so impossible. That's why we, we need Jesus. (laughs) We need the Holy spirit to heal us. We need community to help guide us because none of us are getting out of this without some kind of trauma of some sort, even, even perceived trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh yes, exactly. On paper, all of our lives look quote unquote, perfect. But then we have an interpretation of an event. We need a process with absolutely. Yeah. I have my third, someone who was 10 months old. He, I was nervous. No, he was 11 months and he bit me and you know, that happens, but for some reason, the angle and I screamed and he would, uh, he, then he stopped, he cried and then he would not nurse again. I don't know how many days I waited him out. And so every, even since then, it's like, I'm like, I screw. so anytime he feels sad, I'm like, I screwed this child up forever. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know um, I did it, but it's like, you know, you didn't, but that's mind. there. Yes. Yeah, yes. We yes. For everything, we you know? we like, do. Oh, it's like, you're saying like we add to it by ugh, we're the worst sometimes. I have shared with y'all how my skin is a new story thanks to GladSkin. I do not say this lightly. I have tried lots of products. I see a dermatologist every six months and nothing has worked as well as GladSkin's products because they're gentle and because of the science behind them, I have found them to clear up my acne. Now, something I wanna tell you about today, especially in light of our topic, is if you have a child, a baby that struggles with itchiness and discomfort from eczema, and you've been hesitant to try a new product because you want something that's best for your baby, well, Glad Skin is 
a perfect option. It is safe and gentle on your baby's skin. I have been sent their eczema products for kids and I've been using it um, on my youngest son. Now he's not a baby, but it is super gentle. And I really love that they use their micro balance, this revolutionary protein that restores the balance of good and bad bacteria that lives on your skin. So your skin can finally heal. It is so effective that 91% of users, adults and children who tried their eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days. With Gladskin's baby product, their new oatmeal-free formula is non-toxic and free of steroids and other common irritants. Pediatricians and dermatologists love Gladskin for even the littlest of babies. So if you've been frustrated with treatment options, don't wait to try Gladskin. They are offering you as a listener 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash DMA. That's gladskin.com slash DMA for 15% off plus free shipping. Gladskin.com slash DMA. Whether you have lots of little ones under feet, your first baby, or you are in the season of driving everyone to all of the activities after school, solving the problem of what's for dinner can make us all a little bit crazy. We want to have those family memories on the table. We want to eat good food, but we struggle with how to do it. Well, One option I have found to be really successful in our home is HelloFresh. What it brings to you is it simplifies your grocery shopping because they send you all the ingredients you need to cook at home, to do it quickly, and to eat great food. What I have found is everything I've made that they've sent us has been super kid-friendly. All my boys have eaten it. They've sent us enough food, which is tricky to do when you have four boys. You get to go in and you get to look at their menu options and they have weekly selection of 30 plus different recipes, 70 plus convenience items. And they even have 20 minute meals, low prep, easy cleanup if you are in that season where you just need something a little different. If you need quick breakfast, if you need snacks, even desserts, check out HelloFresh. You are gonna be surprised how it helps solve problems for your Family, go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA1616. Use that code DMA16 to get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three gifts. So go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA16, and that code is DMA16. I'm saying 16, it's 16, it's the number. So just type in the number, 16. And you are going to get those free meals across the seven boxes and free gifts. And you're going to find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. See? We really are. But we can (laughs) let our kids, this is part of what exactly coming off what you said, is let them have their emotions. So if you've said, for example, no, you can't have a snack before dinner and they're crying and they're throwing down or whatever it is, like, that's okay. They don't have to be happy about the boundary. They don't have to be. So if you think they have to be happy about your rule, what are you going to end up doing? Only enforcing rules that make them happy. This is a trap because they might be happy about one rule one day and the next day they're not happy about it. And now you're on a hopscotch path trying to figure out what keeps them happy. They'll be okay. And actually they'll be more okay the more they learn to deal with their emotions. 
So yeah. if we're on hyper alert for them never to be sad, frustrated, angry, hungry, in any way discomforted, then they will never learn to feel those feelings without going into catastrophe mode. Yep. And so if we continue to rescue them, I'm not saying we don't support them. I'm not saying we're harsh with them. Of course we're not, you know, but when we constantly try to rescue them from their bad feelings, they don't learn how to deal with bad feelings. And as an adult, you've got to be used to handling your bad feelings because as an adult, you have more opportunity to soothe your bad feelings in ways that go badly for your life. You know, so we need to start as little ones and think, is what I'm doing reasonable? Am I meeting their needs? Am I doing all this? The answer, if you're listening to this podcast is yes, probably. (laughs) You probably are. Yes. Not a hundred percent of the time, but that's impossible anyway. I think what you said was so important. Let me just stop for a second and really highlight it in light of something you and I were talking about before we got on with the whole gentle parenting movement and parents getting paralyzed Mm -hmm. with wanting to quote unquote discipline. That word is so loaded. Yeah. Discipline their children, but feeling stuck because it's this hard thing of, well, then I think what you said is important. You can decide for your family what your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. You can enforce them and they may not like it. And that you can still gently parent them. You yeah. can still reinforce the boundary gently. You can say, oh my goodness, it seems like that's really hard for you. You're really sad that you can't have a cookie yeah. before dinner You can and not give them the cookie. Yeah. That's still gentle just, parenting. Don't give them the cookie. <laughs> that's still that's gentle it. parenting. Yeah. I just, I think it's really freeing because it, I, it is confusing when you are a parent of young kids for the first time and you're trying to do these things and it feels like you're doing something wrong if they're upset. Oh yes, absolutely. That's, that's it's, we have sort of somehow, it's not quite said like that, but I'm seeing it more and more often. This, uh, this idea that if our kids, and I talk about this in my book, if mom ain't happy, but if more and more, this idea that if kids, we think if we're perfect and we're spending 30 minutes a day per child or whatever the amount in your mind you've chosen it is, and we are connected to them and we're empathetic to them, they will never do anything wrong and they'll never be upset. So this obviously, your life communicates the veracity of that statement, but this is what we sort of have taken on. It seems like this is what society's saying. Now, I'm not saying specifically, this is what it feels like. So feels then like, yeah. if they're unhappy, it's our fault. Or if they act, you know, let's, let's just say it, sometimes kids act naughty. I mean, I don't my, know. My first chapter is let them be a jerk because yeah. they can be jerks. Yes. They can be they, mean. They, they really, because can. if we do believe, I don't know. You, some if we people believe, don't believe, we it. believe Some people don't believe it, but if we believe what we believe from the beginning, original sin, it's in all of us to solve for self. It's just the posture of the heart. It is from, from the beginning It's to solve for self. And I'm not like, that's just. It's just the human condition. It is the human, the limited human condition is we are born solving for self. Absolutely. And I think if you don't truly get that or believe it, you now think everything your child does good or bad is because of you. Yeah. So they acted badly. It's because I didn't spend 45 minutes playing Lego with them beforehand. If I would do that, then they would never act badly. Okay. Test what would those women <gasps> that work okay. the fields all day, what would they say to that? I know, I know exactly. Or they work the field. Say to that, yeah, like, like, like yeah, no, Mm-mm. exactly. All, I think yeah. the grandmother generation is now kind of like looking at us all, like I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Yeah. What's happening. 
And I mean, yes, of course, we do swing the pendulum. There were obviously some discipline and behavior management techniques that were way off the rails and bad. And so in an effort to find balance, we swing Mm -hmm. to the other side. I get it. Well, but I will say, I will, I will admit, and maybe you can resonate with this and I'll confess sometimes on those days where I've like woken up and decided I'm going to gentle parent today, which that wasn't even a term when I had young kids, but I'm going to not yell today, or I'm going to handle this calmly. I'm going to do it. Scream at them. I am not going to respond in anger and fight or flight, which I'm a super sensitive person. Like always have been tags in the shirts. But anyway, so those noises did really bother me and I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't know I was allowed to acknowledge it. Yeah. They're serious. Yeah. Then I would mess up and I would feel horrible. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, I would feel horrible. And anyway, I I had a different point and I totally missed it. When you wake up sometimes and you think today, I'm going to be a gentle parent. Yeah. Yeah. You wake up, you think you're going to do it and then you fail. It's like, (laughs) it's like, then I end up traumatizing worse because my goal is too lofty. Yes. Does that make sense? So like, it does. I'm actually responding way worse than if I would mm-hmm. just have hit the middle button, which is what you're describing. I am yeah. going to listen to them, say out loud, keep my boundary. Mm-hmm. It's okay if they're upset. Not everybody has to be happy all the time anyway. No, exactly. And I have this memory when I we back when we lived in Australia and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, can moms do this? Like what a <laughs> mystical creature. Her son, I think was like six or something. And he had come up to her and either it was like he, she said no or something. And he kind of yelled at her. He behaved, you know, he was, he was rude to her, you know, at, at church. And so she said, you know, okay. She kind of told him to go do whatever he was doing. And she was standing talking to a couple of her friends and I, and I was there and he kind of came back up. Like he wanted to, you know, to, you know, and she was like, I'm not ready to talk right now. I'll let you know when I am. And he walked back away and she was like, I'm still mad. I don't want to. And then she went on and I thought, this is, uh, I just kept thinking, this is so human. Okay. So she's like, of course, we're going to resolve this. I, you know, I'm not yelling at him or whatever, but I'm actually, he was rude. It hurt my feelings and it was embarrassing and all the other normal things. And I'm going to process them a little bit and then I'll talk to him. Yeah. So it's like, we actually need to be human for our kids because the standard has now become moms need to be superhuman and anything our kids do bad is our fault. And so now we're totally jumping through hoops. Life is like a train careening into the oblivion because we're like, I have no clue what I can do or not do. Everything I do makes me feel guilty. Everything they do makes me feel guilty. Instead of just being like, I'm human. My child threw a fit and broke something of mine, which is what is a normal human. Yeah. yeah, What is normal to be frustrated. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm not going to take it out on them. I'm like, I don't need to yell, but I don't need to pretend I'm happy about this. Like what kind of message, what are we teaching the kids? Cause they are human. And I have found when we do, I have a YouTube video on this actually, but it's called the do over is the language of listening principle. And you can start this with little bitty ones. You know, when we mess up, we don't just sort of think that was then don't repeat that. We can go back and say, you know, when this happened, I was so frustrated. Kids understand frustration. They get it so bad. Yeah. I was very frustrated and I just lost my temper and I just wish I wouldn't have, I wish it would have gone like this and then kind of do it almost like a role play. Kids get it because they're little and they play. And then this goes back in the moment or, you know, what, what do you wish I would have said or what, not saying you're going to say what they say, but just get into it with them and then say, I was wrong. And I'm a big fan. I'm a stickler about that. It doesn't matter. There's no moral, right? But I prefer to say I was wrong Mm -hmm. or I prefer my kids. If I'm having them deal with a relationship repair, 
instead of just being like, I'm sorry, because most of the time they're not, it's just mm-hmm. to kind of admit you were wrong, you know? Yeah. And then I, 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 you know, I wish I wouldn't have done that, whatever. Kids get it. So we can do that with them. And that actually is just teaching them to handle hu- normal human emotions instead of a standard of like, I'm above human emotion. It doesn't <laughs> I have matter no what feelings. you do. <laughs> I am a Stepford wife. I like exactly. just come out quaffed and perfect. And I just exactly. <laughs> have this angel voice and Mary Poppins and sound of music. Who was that? Maria. I'm just Maria all the time. I never have a problem. I make dresses from the curtains. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter if you come out of your room 977 times when I told you to stop. I don't care. <laughs> this doesn't bother me. <laughs> Oh yeah. Nap time in itself. I know we have to go soon, but can you just like a quick advice? You were talking about how they drop naps and, mm-hmm. oh, I just remember, especially when you're pregnant with the next one, oh, yeah. and you need the nap time or you have just, it's exhausting. It is physically exhausting. Oh yeah. And so you really do need it. They need it. You know, they need it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you do when you have, I had some kids that yes, they would be super obedient and stay in the room, especially if they're not a crib anymore. They would stay in their room and others. It was just like whack-a-mole. Like they just kept yeah. coming out, coming out, coming yeah. out. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have in that situation? Yes, exactly. So as you pointed out, even if they're sort of dropping their nap, a quiet time is still a good idea. I have a post on my, a mother far from home, quiet time. You can just, you know, and it'll, it has a bunch of info on this, but essentially if your boundary is that there is a, a, an appropriate period of time in the afternoon to their age, that you know they can take a rest or play, you know, if they're not sleeping anymore. And the boundary is actually that you need that time, you know, Mm. because, okay, then you can find solutions to keep them, okay, in their room. So there's a lot, and we talk about a lot of this with sleep training, actually, sometimes you can put a bell on top of the door. So it might be that you keep the door pushed to, um, um, that you can put a bell so that if it opens, there's like a ding, ding, and so this is kind of like almost an, a self a helping a child self-manage because they, when it dings, that means you came, you know, whatever. And so of course you would have, if they don't have a bathroom in their room, you would have like a, a code if they need to choose a bathroom or whatever, but some kids need to use the bathroom 47 times in 45 minutes. <laughs> Which don't is not they, even normal. Yeah. They yeah don't there's really. no reason. No. Um, so you could put a gate there. You could, I mean, you could do a lot of things. So think about it. And this is, I like to say this to cut the guilt because I have some moms, it's, they feel like if their child could come out of the bedroom. It doesn't matter how many times at night, they simply refuse to keep that boundary because they think it's going to traumatize their child having to stay in their bed at night. But it is unsafe if your little bitty child can get out of their room while you are sleeping and go anywhere in the house. Right. You have to take this on board. What if the the first time your child decided to do this, they decided to go outside? Now, I'm not saying be scared of this. I'm saying use this information. Like don't like you're feeling guilty about one thing, but actually it's more you're letting your child be more at risk. Yeah, it's a safety issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you're a light sleeper or if they're with you in the room, fine. I'm just saying don't be scared of this, but use it as like a a greater good to have this boundary. Yeah. To keep a boundary. You know, that that they can't just whatever it is. So if you have established and this is true, this is a big language of listening. If you have established, you know what the boundary is, the boundaries, you've got to have an hour in the afternoon and you know they're okay because they'll play an hour any other time. They just don't want to play that hour. So, you know, they actually can. So in the boundaries that you need an hour, especially like imagine you're pregnant, you've got a baby, you're nursing, whatever, or maybe you're working. Maybe you got to work in that hour. 
you know, you, you got to work to pay some bills. It is. Yeah. And once you know it is the boundary, you'll have that kind of comp. The ideas will come and you'll be able to confidently keep them. Once you know this boundary is not a punishment to my child, it's not a punishment, you know, and then you say they don't have to love it, but they can handle their feelings about it. And I'm not keeping them in their room for seven hours of rest time. You know what I mean? Right. Once you have established it's okay, you will find a way to keep it. And it's something really interesting. Our kids know when we mean it or we don't. Mm-hmm. When we have inside ourselves been like, well, this is what we're doing. It's happening. We're doing it. You can have your feelings, but I'm not sort of driven by them. They are so much more likely to just do what we ask. They don't, it's almost like there's some kind of, I hate to use the word energy. It sounds like new agey, but there's some kind of vibe. Well, I think that they're very sure they're very aware. I think as kids, they're problem solving all the time, whether they consciously know it or not. Mm. And they are playing off of your signals, confidence. Like by the time you get to the third or fourth, you can, you just have like a, a disconnection that the tantrum does not define you. So it's kind of like they know, yeah, or them, that it's kind of like they know when you say, oh, you're upset. I'm right here when you need me. (laughs) Like you can say it and mean it. Whereas with the first one, you might be like, I, uh, I see you're upset, but I'm, are you sure you're okay? Like, I'm going to let the dinner overflow on the oven to deal with this. It's literally harder. So if you're a mom and this is your firstborn, it is harder the first time they tantrum. Yes. To separate yourself emotionally and not oh, yes. want to rescue. That is yep. totally, like you said, human and normal. And I think totally. having that confidence, I do think, and I will just acknowledge it is really hard when you're tired and it is nap time and they keep coming out oh, to, stay calm, to stay calm. It's and so I just want to say it is so hard. And if that is you, those have been some of my worst parenting moments is when oh, just yeah. like, Oh, me too. When I'm past the point or I'm taking a nap and then I get mm, woken up a few times. I'm like, you are mm, that. Mm, yes, it is. Yeah, it is but real. that's even more sign that we, we got to establish that they can keep it because if we're freaking out over something, it shows the, the depth of the, the need that we have for that, you know, yeah. and we're going to meet their needs. We're going to meet their needs before, after we're literally, it's our job to meet their needs. Having them do something that's reasonable and age appropriate. It's not a punishment. Boundaries are not punishment. That's something no. you got to take. They're not that's punishment. A good word. Boundaries are not punishment. No, Mm-mm. no. And there are some boundaries in the world that I have to ab- abide by, you know, speed limits and such. We all do. Can't keep my clothes check, on. Not paying a bill. Got to keep my clothes on outside. It's <laughs> kind of a rule. Just kind saying. Of a rule. <laughs> kind of a rule. Certain places, I'm sure I could get away with it, but I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. in general. Well, not places but- you're going to go on a family vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Well, I appreciate Rachel, you coming on. I know we have just scratched the surface. Y'all, Rachel has a new book that's coming out called if mama ain't happy October 11th, you can get your copy. Um, but like she's mentioned so many resources, YouTube episodes and on her website, just go find her, go connect through our show notes to all her links. And your Instagram though, is mom far from home, right? It is. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. mother. Okay. But the website is a mother far from home. So mm-hmm. Thank you for being with us today. I so appreciate getting to know you. I could talk to you for days. So <laughs> I know I could. So Thank fun. you so much for having me. We have put a link to everything you need to connect with Rachel in the show notes. Show notes you can always find over at Don't Mom Alone. And you can get them in your inbox if you sign up to get my emails. Also, Rachel's new book, If Mama Ain't Happy, 
why minding healthy boundaries is good for your whole family. It releases October 11th, so you can pre-order now. We've also put links to other things we mentioned in this episode. I'm gonna pray for us because this is, it is a hard season with littles, and I think it's a hard season in all times being aware of ourselves as moms and holding to good boundaries and being intentional. So, Lord, I thank you that you have given us this role to be moms. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us guard our hearts, that we would put our attention on you first, and that the overflow from that would be uh, just ripple into our families. I pray, Lord, that you would help us define what does matter to us and to do the work with you within community to figure out what's going on in our bodies and our minds and our souls that causes us to react to our own child's unhappiness and frustration so that we can parent with intention and the calm that we want to present because we have sought out your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would help fix our gaze, um, help fix our gaze on what matters to you to not get distracted by the things of this world or comparison with our peers when we're feeling insecure in our parenting, but that we could trust that you will guide us. I thank you that you do give us great resources and there are so many options out there. Please help us be discerning in what's for us and what's not for us as we parent. And I just pray for an abundance of confidence to fill the mom or dad who's listening, that they would know you are their guide. You have not left them. You'll never forsake them, that you are with them, molding and shaping them as they mold and shape their kids. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, I hope you all enjoyed this episode uh, in this series. Next week, we're moving on to elementary. I'm bringing on Dr. Meg Meeker. Um, Got lots of other fun things planned as we work through these years and just a really great fall lineup. I'm super excited. So join me back here next week. And don't forget, you can always connect with me at Don't Mom Alone on Instagram. Uh, I would love to chat with you there. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.